You may be busy doing something while you listen to this podcast, but you're never too busy to eat healthy if you eat Vite Ramen. This podcast is sponsored by Vite Ramen. Show support for a sponsor that supports Moore's Law is Dead at the link in the description. And if you do, make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON. And you can also support Moore's Law is Dead if you need Windows keys or software at cdkeyoffer.com. If you go there, also use the code BROKENSILICON for 25% off Windows keys or die shrink for 3 percent off everything else on the website all right now let's get on with the show Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today, around the beginning of the year, I am joined by someone who's joined us before. And it's because I can't think of a better channel that focuses on really mobile gaming performance. Uh, a better time to have someone like that on than right after CES when everyone announces their new laptop technology. So please, Jared, introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Jared. I run the Jared's Tech YouTube channel. And yeah, I basically focus on anything to do with laptops, but mostly these days, the gaming side of things. So a lot of CPU and GPU comparisons, and of course, reviews. So I have noticed, like, occasionally, you do, like, a desktop product review. Th- this wasn't in the notes. I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. Like, I, I think you would you say, like, 90% of your content's laptop? What, what makes you decide to do a desktop art review when you do it because i don't think you like ever plan to review all desktop releases right yeah so i guess personally i'm probably a little more interested in the desktop stuff like all the youtube channels i watch are probably like you know hardware unboxed gamers nexus that type of thing so i think when i started the channel you know i guess all that really existed back then was probably like linus and j's two cents and i was like man this is pretty cool i want to get into this and long story short it was really competitive and no one was really covering laptops and I was able to kind of just, I just kind of fell into it, I suppose. But, you know, I ended up liking it and I've always liked laptops. Like I remember like 15 years ago going to, I think it was like Apple's website and just specking up like the highest laptop to like 10 grand or something ridiculous that I couldn't afford just for fun. So yeah, I've always liked the idea of that uh, kind of portability as well. Yeah. I yeah, There's something I find really fun about laptops in that, it's where a company really proves their product special. Like anyone, I shouldn't say anyone, but a lot more people than you'd think can just take a product and make it use double the energy, throw a giant cooler on it and hit a certain level of performance. Once you're limited to 65 watts, sometimes it really, really separates the men from the boys in terms of which architectures actually are effective. Yeah. I, you know, I never really thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, there's definitely way more limitations. So, yeah, it does really show like what you can do at the end of the day with yeah, lots of constraints. Do you pay much attention to Apple anymore? Actually, you mentioned them. I mean, what are your I think isn't their new SOC a little old now? Like they release something new every year or something that's slightly new every year is. Yeah. And Phoenix, uh, AMD talked about them a lot in their Phoenix comparisons. Like, do you see, have you seen Intel's, uh, Intel's, Apple's personally designed chips as impressive for the past few years? 
Um, so I tested the M1 Pro last year, which, yeah, I think that's more than 12 months old at this mm-hmm. point. So, yeah, I don't know when they're going to replace that one. But uh, I remember at the time thinking this is super impressive, especially for content creation and especially in particular when running on battery power. So I think that's an edge that like Intel and AMD still don't have because with the MacBook, you, you take out the power cable and it's still basically running at the same performance. Yeah. And I've never seen that from any Intel or AMD laptop yet. I think that's something a lot of Apple haters overlook. Like, I don't own an Apple laptop. I haven't owned an Apple laptop. I think I owned one MacBook Air and then I actually installed Windows on it <laughs> like a decade yeah, ago. Yeah, I did that as well. <laughs> um, yep. Because they had a really cool, like, uh, what was it? Mine was the ha- Broadwell APU that could run games at 720p 60 on battery for like four hours and i mean there was that laptop that did that and i had an hp what is it uh jaguar just a jaguar i think it's jaguar powered and or is it i think maybe it actually been bobcat powered um it, like you know they called them netbook at the time back a very long <laughs> time ago in college and of course that one also is generally speaking a 720p 30 frames per second laptop but it could play Minecraft and Age of Empires three and a half life two. And that just blew my mind. It could do it for like four, three to four hours on battery. Like, you know, over time, I, you know, I used to have laptops that could, uh, during the Kepler generation, I had a 13 inch that did like, I don't know, maybe I could actually get it if I throttled the CPU to run 1080p 60 for about an hour and a half. Then it became an hour. And I mean, honestly, with how efficient everything has gotten since NVIDIA's Pascal and, you know, this move to like seven nanometer and beyond chips, it actually seems like there's less, there is no option to game on the go on a lot of these laptops. Whereas I feel like even a decade ago, yes, maybe you'd have a one to two hour battery life. Yes. Your performance would be cut in half, but it'd be cut in half. You could now it's cut down by like a a fourth, a fifth, you get a fifth, the performance. And there's, what do you think's happened to that? Because the, the, Parts are better when we did used to be able to game on battery for like two hours at half the performance. Now you can't even do that. Yeah. Uh, so when I do my battery testing, I do two things. I do YouTube video playback and I also do uh, the Witcher three, mm-hmm. but I cap it at 30 FPS just because that's something that NVIDIA has done for years by default. So I want to have like comparable data. Don't think they actually do it anymore. They kind of like dynamically change it based on like how much battery you've got left. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, the point I was getting to was, yeah, I haven't really seen any big improvements in terms of like gaming on battery. Like it's always kind of around that one, one and a half hour mark, maybe two hours in like an exceptional case. But yeah, over the last few years, I, I haven't really seen the games, even running the same game at the same settings at the same frame cap. Yeah, that's odd because on paper, literally they should be able to. It's just, it's it's almost like... From my experience, I've, I have a 2060 Max Q laptop. It's almost like it doesn't let you. <laughs> like it doesn't let you game on battery. Yeah. Whereas before, you could kind of do a couple tricks to let it run for like an hour or something. Well, I wanted to start kind of looking back on the previous year, though. Just a level set before we get into all the announcements from CES. What, um, how do you feel about last year in terms of like, just laptop offerings and mobile competition in general. I mean, Rembrandt and Alder Lake were notably bigger leaps over their previous gens than like, were, uh, like uh, Tiger Lake and uh, 
maybe not Tiger. Like that one's a mixed one though, because when did it really come out? But like then Ice Lake and Saison uh, were right. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a pretty good year in terms of new laptop hardware. Um, I was particularly interested in the big core counts offered by Intel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with the P and E cores for the first time. Um, yeah, I was a bit disappointed that AMD didn't really have quite as much back then. There was still, you know, only eight core, sixteen threads. You know, it's still pretty, pretty good, really. But compared to Intel, if you do need that multi-core performance, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit behind. And compared to the generation prior, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was maybe like a ten percent boost. So, general gen Intel looked much better, of course, until you uh, unplug the power and run battery, which you know is something that. Laptops are obviously designed to do, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, that was an area where AMD obviously generally had the advantage. Not always, but in more cases than not, uh, AMD seemed to be more efficient in that case. So it seems like because we're going to get into this in like maybe ten minutes, but it seems like people bring this up all the time. Like AMD availability, can I get even be get an AMD laptop? And you touched on it a little bit that it was kind of hard last year to get a hold of Rembrandt. But the the funny thing is when I look at almost any web, any like, you know, reputable website or firm that tracks market share, they keep saying AMD's taking laptop market share. And I, we'll come back to this more so later, but I because you touched on it, I wanted to bring it up now. Like, do you think especially in 2022, because I saw it. Rembrandt looked awesome, but it really didn't feel like until near the end of the year you could get it. And yet I'm looking at yeah. this, you know, a link will be in the description for everybody, a, a Statista saying that AMD got, went from, let's see, in 2020, they were at about 20% laptop market share. By the end of the year, they were getting to 26% market share. Do you think there's something off here? Or do you think it's just hard to keep into perspective how horrible the availability of AMD laptops was a decade ago. Because I remember when Steamroller or Excavator, whatever the last bulldozer iteration was, came out, the integrated graphics are actually really good. But I literally couldn't find a single laptop with it. It wasn't like it's hard to find. When is it coming out? I couldn't find one. <laughs> so do you think there's some, it's just hard to keep into perspective how bad it used to be? Or do you think that there is something off with what's being reported with AMD market share in laptop last year and how easy it was to get them. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if AMD is taking market share. I think what the problem is, and this is just, you know, my own thoughts after, you know, doing this for years and talking to a bunch of people who work at different brands, I get the impression that the demand is just far outstripping the supply. Mm -hmm. So it seems like they're just selling everything that they can make. So you know, if you're selling everything you can make, you'd hope you're claiming market share. But at the same time, you're also going to leave a lot of people sitting there like thinking, you know, where can I actually buy one of these things? So I think that that's that just seems like the explainer to me. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming the entire world isn't some cabal lying about AMD market share. That, that's kind of what I <laughs> yeah, think as well. Um, QH Freddy writes in and says, why are there barely any Rembrandt U laptops available, even almost a full year after the CPU's launch, which this is, of course, you know, I think the one people are most interested in is what, like the 6800U, which is the full eight cores of that Zen 3 Plus in a 15-watt package? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a good answer for that. I definitely didn't get one uh, last year, so I, I haven't seen any. I don't think I've ever had one. Um, I mean, 
maybe they're prioritizing, I guess, other f- options that make make them more money. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're selling everything they can, that, I suppose that would make uh, some degree of sense. But yeah, otherwise, I'm, I'm not really sure what the reason is. Yeah, I Googled around. Because it sounds pretty good. Yeah, well, it looks good on paper. But I mean, I Googled around on like HP, Razer, and a few other places. And I saw that all of them basically offer the 6900HX. And I actually think those are the best yields then that can boost to the highest possible all-core clocks at like 45 to 65 watts while also not using the maximum amount of voltage. And if their yields are good, that's what Asus, oh, and Asus, and that's what Asus and Razer wants to put in their laptop. My argument would be, why would AMD make Rembrandt U? Those are sold for less. So I, I know it looks yeah. awesome to get eight cores in a 15-watt package, but that's not what will make them any money. And I think Intel can afford to make those because they just make so many CPUs. They can afford to sell a lot of them at lower margins. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting because I don't know how much I can say here, but I know of at least one brand who advertised that they would ship one of their high-end laptops with the 6900HX last year. Mm. And they sent a few out to reviewers. And after a few weeks, they had to basically recall them because they just didn't, they weren't, they weren't going to get enough 6900HX chips to actually oh, wow. put into that model to sell. So at the same time, obviously, you know, they would love to sell this product, but they, again, they can't get it. There's just too much demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we'll come back to that. That's a really interesting point. Um, MJ writes in and says, Hey, Jared and Tom. First, thank you, as I've watched both your channels for a long time and really appreciated them. Second, I bought an Asus G15 with an AMD CPU and GPU. Tom, you've talked about Relive in the past a uh, few weeks, and one thing missing from AMD's mobile drivers is Relive, not to mention a complete lack of tuning features. Is reviewing drivers on a laptop something that's missing from this industry? And... um I'm going to be honest, I put the, in the notes here, I haven't owned a Radeon, a laptop with a Radeon graphics card for a decade. So I don't actually, is that true? Is there no Relive in any AMD laptops? So just full disclosure, I honestly didn't know. And I literally Googled it just before this. Okay. It actually seems like the answer is generally no, because it needs two gigs of VRAM and it's supposed to run on the integrated graphics. So unless you've got a laptop where you can like go into the BIOS and say, hey, use more of the system memory for the iGPU, it sounds like it's not going to work. So I think it'll work on the discrete Radeon mm-hmm. graphics. But of course, uh, laptops that have Radeon GPUs are even far, far less, uh, far more rare compared to uh, laptops with a rate, like Radeon integrated graphics. Asus G15. Let's see here. Because if it... That that would explain some of it then, like if there's not enough RAM allocated for the integrated graphics to use it, and then it comes with a Navi, what is it, 23, so the 6500 XT1-based graphics card. That one doesn't have it built into it as well. That would explain it. But otherwise, I would find this very hard to believe because, I mean, guys, they use the same silicon <laughs> as the desktop cards, so I don't know why they would lack Relive. Or, but, I, you know, I, I haven't actually tried that you have you ever played around with relive on any of the amd laptops you've uh tested no because uh last year i covered 37 different laptops only one of them had discrete radeon graphics which was the g14 mm. and yeah as as mentioned in the question um yeah looking at the driver features isn't really something that 
that they do. And I mean, I guess it's kind of also difficult to compare when you only get one Radeon laptop for the whole year as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that puts things in perspective too, then like talking about getting an AMD APU in a laptop, let alone a graphics card. You got like, what would you say? One out of 37? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what I would say to this question is if you have something like a 6,800 S graphics card, I find that hard to believe it doesn't have really, even it does. Don't shoot me in the comments because I'm just as surprised as you. Um, yeah, and if it doesn't work, it might be because um, so I, like in the G14, for mm -hmm. example, it's got Radeon APU and discrete graphics. So it might be the case that you'd have to use the MUX switch in software to disable the integrated right. graphics so that it's running purely on the discrete graphics, which you'd want to do if you're gaming anyway for best performance. Yeah, th that's a good point too because I've had a few friends who have had AMD CPU plus GPUs for a while and oftentimes there is this issue where because it's technically video outing through the APU at all times that some of the features are missing in the software even if they should work on paper yeah. actually this is a bigger issue for me with Intel NVIDIA laptops where if I want to have a custom screen resolution or use I think maybe shadow play too it just doesn't work because technically it has to output through the integrated graphics it's not true with all laptops that have both but a lot of times the OEM is handling the driver package overall. It just locks out some NVIDIA features I wish I had access to. Yeah, there's, yeah. if you open NVIDIA control panel on a laptop with Intel plus NVIDIA, there's like three or four options or something. And then if you've got a mug switch and you can disable the integrated graphics, suddenly there's like, you know, 10 or 15 options and the world just opens up. Yeah, I just wish that was like... That'd be I'd be so happy if that was something NVIDIA or AMD like mandated to their partners. Like, hey, you have to make it so you can use our stuff. But I mean, you ran into tons of silly things like what is it, RAM speeds and like there was a performance loss yeah. going to like the laptop panel last year with a lot of laptops, right? Yeah, there's been a few a few random things. Uh I don't think I, there was as many last year. I think it was mostly twenty twenty one. One might be mixing least, it up. I can remember off the top of my head. Yeah. But that type of stuff, it's so silly. And so what I would suggest actually going back to the question that was just asked is I'm sure there is something with the laptops you've gotten or the OEM for some reason didn't allow you to have something that on paper, there's no reason you shouldn't have. But unfortunately, it happens all the time. Um, all right, let's move forward. I actually want to start talking about some of the announcements from CES and the one that I think I'll have the most to discuss that I've kind of been saving for this conversation, I haven't put in my other content that much yet this year, is NVIDIA's Lovelace laptop graphics cards. I have, I guess I talked about them a decent amount in one video, but it, I just kind of took a glance at it and said, well, this looks like crap. Um, what, what, was, what are your thoughts? What are, what are your thoughts on the, let's just start there, the NVIDIA Lovelace laptop graphics card generation? Yeah, so I think it will offer a nice improvement, you know, as far as laptops go. But from what I've seen so far, the prices just seem astronomical. So does it really matter if you're getting a performance boost, if you've got to pay, you know, like, say you're getting a 40% performance boost, I'm just making that up. And then you've got to pay 40 or 50% more money, like, you know, who cares? Yeah. Does it matter? Uh, Value is the same. The thing I'm worried about is if it's even worse than that, because... Uh, I mean, I think that's what we've seen with recent desktop launches. Like, you know, 
Yeah. Of course, they want to compare the 4080 to like the 3080 Ti because those cost the same. But if you compare it to, you know, the 3080, I think, what did we see? Like a 40% performance, 40 to 50% performance increase for 50, like 40 to 60% <laughs> increase in price. Uh, on laptop, it looks almost worse. And I actually want to uh, read off this list I put together here. So let's see. The 4050 has 20% more CUDA cores than the 3050, but 25% smaller bus. The 4060 has 20% less CUDA cores than the 3060 and a third less of a bus. The 4070 has 10% less CUDA cores, 33% less bus. 4080, 20% increase in CUDA core count. But again, a 25% reduction in bus. Only the 4090, and in quotes, right, in quotes 4090, has the same bus and a decent-sized 31% CUDA core increase. And when I look at what I expect out of this performance, um, and I'll actually have something go on screen, but when I remove DLSS 3 frame generation and all of the games that, like what, like they, they do Cyberpunk with the new ray tracing overdrive, which is, you know, murder last-gen graphics card performance mode, it looks like the 4090 in quotes, which is really just an underclocked 4080 from desktop, it looks like it's going to be maybe 50% better than the laptop 3080 Ti, but this thing, as far as I can tell, is going to go into like $4,000 laptops. So, look, I don't think 3080 Ti's ever went into cheap laptops. I think if you were always going to get these insane God-tier laptops, you're getting a decent performance increase this gen. But once you go down the stack, I mean, the 4080 seems to be a decent increase over the 3080 for like an extra $500 in the laptop. And then the 4070... I'm not sure it'll beat the 3070 laptop. I think it will. Don't get me wrong, but it has less CUDA cores. It'll be clocked faster. And it's buses half the width, 128-bit instead of 256-bit. I think it will beat it, but 10 to 20% maybe in the 4060, same thing. It's a smaller bus. It has 20% less CUDA cores. I think you're looking at a generation where the technology is excellent, but everything seems to beat the previous gen by... No more than Ampere did over Turing. And I, th I just find that really disappointing. I, I don't know if you expect anything different out of it, but I, the specs don't lie, in my opinion. And we've already benchmarked enough Lovelace that I think we can just draw a comparison. Yeah, it's definitely definitely interesting. With the 4070, not, well, it's, I guess it's technically last gen. We had the 3070 Ti. Yeah, so the 3070 Ti and 3080 Ti for laptops came out last year. Mm -hmm. But then the year before was 3070 and 3080. So the non-TI. So when the 3070 Ti came out, it was actually very close to the 3080 to the point where a lot of 3080 laptops ended up going on sale. Mm. So then I don't think they were selling as many of the you know brand new 3070 Ti. So when I see the decrease in CUDA core count to the 4070 and then the increase to the 4080, it does kind of make me wonder if they kind of they you know try to make the the gap a bit different, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then maybe in future. You know, I'm just speculating. Say they do a 4070 Ti next year, then maybe that would slot in between, you know, a bit better than what they had last time, where it was very close. So maybe it would make that more attractive. Well, yeah, Knobhead right in wrote in and actually said that as well. That especially, and I think you did a lot of videos on this over the past two years, especially if you're not doing like 150 watt versus 150 watt, but like 80 watt versus 80 watt, and especially anything below that. The 3070 and 3080 flavors of mobile graphics cards, whether TI or not, 
performed really similar because of how TDP constrained they were with an eight nanometer architecture. Nobhead's asking, do you think they intentionally nerfed the 4070 so that it felt a lot weaker than the 4080? Yeah, I mean, I guess for that reason, if they are planning ahead for a 4070 Ti, I could see that making sense. I also suppose it's worth considering that the 4070 has a much wider power limit range compared to the 3070. So the 3070, I think, started at 80 watts minimum, mm. and now the 4070 can go all the way down to 35 watts. Now, whether that's because it's as efficient as they claim and it doesn't need, you know, that much, that's yet to be seen. But, you know, I think that's interesting that the power limit range is much wider. It also means they can technically, I suppose, put it in much smaller devices. I mean, we're seeing 13-inch tablets with, like, the Asus Z13, which are going up to, like, 4070 or something ridiculous. Yeah, let me see. I wonder if I can pull up quickly, quickly something like this here, because Gerbauer does these excellent uh, power scaling comparisons with graphics mm. cards. And what did he find here? Power drop. Yeah, he charted it all the way from 130 watts to 530 watts with the 4090, cool. the desktop 4090, the actual 4090. And I think he found, let's see. So that's one. Th yeah, he found going from like uh, 400 to 530 watts gave you maybe 10% more performance, <laughs> like oh, and wow. then going all the way down to it seems like the big turn was around 300 watts, even though still at 530 watts, it was only about 20% better than 300 watts. Then if you go to 200 watts, that's where performance drops by 25%. And I think there was a, you finally get to half the performance at about 150 watts, suggesting that if you put a 4090 in a laptop limited to 150 watts, it would be half the performance. So I would imagine you're seeing a similar curve here. And I guess what I'm getting at with this long-winded you know, explanation is if the 3080, or I'm sorry, God, these names, the 4080 on desktop is a 320-watt car, but typically uses 300 in reality. Uh, if you cut its power in half, or I think, what is this, about a third? So about to 100 watts, you'll get half the performance. So I, I would suggest that what you're going to see is Lovelace laptops look really good <laughs> in bar chart comparisons where they don't show you the frame rate, and they say 45-watt versus 45-watt. But what you're, you're finding is this is probably performing at half as well as the top spec 4070 anyway. So, and I would imagine that a lot of these high-end gaming laptops where the 3070 laptop was already allowed to use 120 watts. I don't know, man. Less CUDA cores, a third less bus. I'm sorry, half the bus? I'm really worried about <laughs> if this is going to have any performance increase at all in some scenarios. And I, I don't know if you, if you have yeah. anything to add to that, but... We haven't even gotten into the price for what might be a no performance increase because the 4070 is probably going to be in 1500 to $2,000 laptops. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we'll find out. Uh, it's actually interesting that um, that testing has been done with the desktop card. I didn't actually think about that because now that I'm thinking about it, if I recall the desktop 4080, it's the same CUDA cores as the laptop 4090. So that could be a really good way if you could lower the power limit enough to maybe get a rough idea of what to actually expect from the laptop 4090. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of things you'll be able to test. Uh, the CUDA core count of the laptop 4080 
I believe is exactly the same as the laptop 3880i. So that would be a direct comparison right there. And the, the bandwidth difference is always hard because of how much more cash they have given to this new generation. But at least here, it's not half the bus. <laughs> so I think it, I think you could kind of do a hand wave and say it probably has enough bandwidth, you know, given the cash yeah. difference. I guess maybe they're trying to, like, maybe they're going to try and rely too much on DLSS three frame generation to carry it. I'm not sure. Now, have you messed with DLSS three frame generation at all yet? Uh, not yet, because when I got the RTX 40 desktop cards to do some comparisons with, um, back then the games were all, you know, like various stages of beta. So there was a lot of like steps that I had to like, you know, download this thing and do all, do, do all this garbage, which the normal person wouldn't have to do. Mm. Uh, it's probably different now that it's actually in the live games, but just because there were too many hoops to jump through at the time, I didn't personally bother with it. Well, yeah. I, I kind of came to a same a similar conclusion. Like NVIDIA announces DLSS three, and they're like, "Oh, you know, it's in forty games." And then you check, and it's like it's in five guys. <laughs> it's coming to that many games. It's not in any of the games I play yet, which I really wanted to test it. And Mountain Blade Bannerlord, and I waited months to do my forty ninety and forty eighty review. Never, it's still not in it, as far as I'm aware. So I didn't want to get a game like Spider-Man or something that was a flagship game. I wanted to wait for the games that probably weren't specifically chosen to look good with it, to really test it. Um, I will say though, have you looked at like the coverage of DLSS three from hardware and boxed and so on and so forth? Because everything I've yeah. heard, at least from the people I follow um, consistently is that it really only works well if your you know, native frame rate, is uh at least 90 frames a second so i don't know if uh a 40 50 with dlss3 that has to go from 30 to 60 and you're actually getting worse frame times than 30 frames per second it's a real concern of mine in terms of marketing these laptops like oh look the 40 50 with dlss3 is three times better than the 30 50 and then like in fine print in so many words they have to admit it also has worse input lag than if you were gaming on a ps2 you know i don't know that's a real concern of mine yeah um especially when you consider the fact that a lot of laptops this year seem to be increasing the resolution significantly so like Alienware's X14 is meant to be a portable 14 inch gaming laptop last year it went up to RTX 3060 I think it was like 75 watt power limit, mm -hmm. but it had a 1080p screen. So now this year, I think it goes up to 4050 or 4060. Sure, the power limit's boosted by 10 watts this year to 85 watts, but now I think the screen is only 2560 by 1600 in a 14 inch screen, mm -hmm. which just seems overkill to me. So it's going to be, even if you've got more power, you've got way more pixels to spit out. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to go. Yeah, I guess. I guess um, I'm trying to think of how to ask this question before we move on to some other subjects. But like, let you know, let's say you get a because I'm thinking of like the typical mid-range laptop from the past couple of years. You know, it's like an Asus G14 or something where the laptops typically for about what twelve hundred to fourteen hundred out of thirty sixty an eight core CPU, 16 gigs of RAM and an SSD. What are you going to think if like this year that laptop doesn't have like a 3060 six gigabyte 
but it has a 40, 56 gigabyte that's actually 20% weaker for the same price, but it uses DLSS 3. I'm wondering like what you're, what you, how you'll feel about that and if you'll recommend it over just getting a discount 3060, which maybe that's what NVIDIA wants anyways, to be honest, but... Yeah, I think in that case, last gen would make a lot of sense. So it's really going to depend on how the thirty, sorry, how how the thirty sixty and forty fifty compete outside of you know features like ray tracing and DLSS, which of course are still somewhat important, I suppose, as DLSS three starts coming into more games over time. But at least initially, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the recommendation is, hey, just get a cheaper thirty sixty. Jessie here may know how to fetch very well, but she really hasn't learned one of the main things any viewer of Moore's Laws Dead should know by now, and that's that you don't need to overpay for Microsoft keys. This piece of content is brought to you by cdkeyoffer.com. There's just no reason to pay exorbitant monopolistic prices for Microsoft Office or Microsoft operating systems anymore. Not when you have someone like cdkeyoffer.com, who's been a fantastic sponsor of Moore's Laws Dead for many years now. If you're looking for anything from Steam games, Origin games, Uplay games, or PlayStation keys, or reasonably priced Microsoft software, go to cdkeyoffer.com today, click the links in the description, and use the offer codes BROKENSILICON for 25% off Microsoft keys and Shrink for 3% off everything else on the website. Don't be like Jesse here, who's chewing on my chair right now. Be smart, don't overpay for online software, and go to cdkeyoffer.com today. All right, well... Let me move on then to the AMD graphics card that was announced. Of course, they've already released RDNA 3 on desktop. And, you know, it's funny, early rumors for the uh, for RDNA 3's launch were that possibly the tiny 6 nanometer monolithic graphics card might be the one that came out first. What I always heard is that once they saw the, the market collapse, that they were like, we're not launching any low-end cards to desktop for a year, and that's why we probably haven't seen it yet. But they finally revealed it. They revealed the 7600M XT, which is an interesting way of naming that card, I think. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Because in one of your videos, I noticed a chart uh, that showed that AMD was actually comparing their mobile graphics card to the desktop version of the 3060, and I did a very rough average just glancing at it. It's not to the decimal, but it seemed to be about 10 to 15% better than a desktop 3060, despite having a 25% smaller die side as on 6 nanometer, not even 5 nanometer. Like, what are you, are you impressed so far by what's been announced by AMD's, like, kind of mid-range laptop offering coming out this year um, and then that surprised you at all to see them compare it to the desktop 3060 yeah so i think they said they were comparing it to the desktop 3060 because they said you know we don't have the 4060 yet because it's not out yet and we thought comparing it to the 3060 you know maybe they'll look too good i don't know that's probably not what they were thinking but i think they thought the desktop 3060 might be more comparable or something like that uh Overall, I think gen on gen, it didn't look that big of a like that big of an improvement, at least compared to you know what uh, Nvidia is saying. Mm -hmm. But you know, even putting aside the, the the DLSS numbers, they were saying you know what was it like close to fifty percent or something? It looks like one point five x 
in uh, games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Well, like yeah, Red but that's too. 4090 for $4,000 to 3080 Ti. And oh, the yeah, 4090 yeah, yeah. is way higher specs than the 3080 Ti. Whereas yeah, when I look at the, the, 30, the 4060, I'm like, I don't know that it's even going to beat the 3060 laptop by more than 20%. Yeah, so Yeah, that's a good point. I was just going to say, I guess overall... I was probably a little let down just because I wanted to see a bit more high end stuff. Mm. Like the 6800M was pretty good value. It still is great value. Like you can get a 6800M, I think, on Best Buy for like $1,050. And that can compete with like RTX 3070 and 3080. So, you know, I was hoping to see, uh, yeah, something like a 7800M would have been nice. So I don't know if they're saving that to Computex or if they're just going to stick to the mid range. But yeah, because I've got less. Uh, discrete graphics options this year. It also just seems like there's less AMD laptops, like all AMD laptops. So AMD Advantage mm-hmm. with CPU plus GPU, because I think there was only like two announced. Well, the thing is, Navi 31, what's being used in their high-end desktop graphics right now, that has a total die size. It's really too big for laptop. It uses too much energy, just like the desktop 4090. Um, but there is another one in between Navi 33 and Navi uh, 31, and that's Navi 32. My understanding, talking to people, is that this thing is still months away. So I just think it's kind of intentional that AMD thinks if they want to take more laptop market share, really hammering the one thousand. I don't know if it's lower anymore, but let's just say eight hundred to twelve hundred dollar mid-range gaming laptop spaces where they think they have an opening and i don't i guess i don't know how much you paid attention to it but like just to put things in perspective the 7600m and xt that you know this die they're launching the single die they're launching to laptop it's actually i think 15 percent smaller than navi 23 the, the previous gen so this card actually costs less to make than the previous gen and seems to outperform it by i don't know it it's hard to say because this is the mobile version. I don't know how good the desktop one will be, but it seems like it's at least 20% better while being 15% smaller. Um, do you think that's a smart strategy, though, to maybe target the market that NVIDIA seems to have entirely abandoned this generation? Because how often were they selling high-end AMD laptop graphics cards? I'm not saying it's fair. I'm happy to recommend AMD, but I mean, people want that NVIDIA sticker. Even some people I consider enthusiasts I've met in my personal life seem to just completely disregard Radeon. I, I almost wonder if AMD wonders if there's any point in going for high-end laptops right now. Yeah, well, from what I've heard, it definitely sounds like the mid-range obviously sells better. I mean, that makes sense. So I think if you've got, I don't know, if you've got limited resources or something, or you're trying to, you're still trying to get in into the fight, I suppose, maybe it makes more sense to focus there first and have some good value options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's, I, I, I will just, you know, maybe put down a timestamp for my editor to put this on screen again. You know, in preparation for this podcast, um, I came across this chart that shows an up to 120 watt graphics card Beating NVIDIA's 170-watt desktop card. Yes, it's previous gen, but also this isn't using 5 nanometer. By 10 to 20%, I just, I'm just fingers crossed, you know, this card that they could clearly sell for like 300 bucks or something on desktop can be clocked a lot higher. Because I think this would be, I, this would just be awesome as we basically don't have low-end graphics cards anymore. It, it just sucks. I'm really, yeah. really hoping. But the only thing I would say is, uh, 
I know that the desktop version will be clocked faster. We still don't know. Maybe this is meant to just run at 120 watts anyway. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't, you know, double down on any crazy expectations yet. But let me see here. Brink of Destru- Destruction writes in and says, Hi, Tom and Jared. Do you think that AMD will be able to fix the problems they are having with RDNA 3 before the launch of Navi 32 and 33 laptops, which, of course, the 7600M is Navi 33. Also, do you think that the RDNA 3 portion of Phoenix will be affected by these current problems? I'm asking as someone who is considering getting a new laptop sometime this year, if they can't fix the problems, I might just wait until Strix and RDNA 3+, Plus, which I might do anyways, because my current laptop isn't having any problems anyways. Uh, well, yeah, I would always recommend don't upgrade unless you have to. There's always something great every year. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, just if you've got works, then just keep it. It's literally how tech works. There's always something new just around the corner. Well, especially in the past five years, right? This isn't like Sandy Bridge lasting forever anymore. We, we keep doubling performance. Like we're not doubling, but at least there's there's really cool stuff every year now because of how much competition there is. Um, but let me ask you though, how much have you paid attention to the issues that have happened with the RDNA three launch at uh, on desktop? Sir. The only one that comes to mind for me is that recent issue they had with the cooler. Uh, what other problems have there been? Maybe I missed something. Oh, I don't know where to start. And half of it, it's just like whether you choose, you know, to believe me or really AMD's own words at the beginning of this year. But at the beginning of this year, they were like bragging and like really kind, I don't know if arrogant, but confident that they were going to bring a 50% performance increase. And the people I talked to were like, we got them. We got NVIDIA. We're going to bring at least a 50% performance increase over the 6900 XT. We're going to try to double it. We're using chiplets. And they even taught, there were interviews, <laughs> like to anyone who doubts me saying this, like, like the conversations I had, they said in interviews, whatever NVIDIA goes to, we can raise power too. We just won't have to raise it as much to hit the same performance. Like they said that. <laughs> And then right before launch, they sewed charts showing at a minimum a 50% increase, not over the 6900 XT, but over the 6950 XT. And they said up to like, actually, depending on the game, like up to 80 something percent, then comes out, it's like 35 to 40% stronger. And this is very different from previous launches from AMD, where if anything, they downplayed Zen 4's performance too much, I think. So I think it's clear something's off in the drivers. I mean, you have some games where the 7900 XTX beats the 6950 XT by like 10% in 1440p, despite almost tripling teraflops. You ask me, I, I think something's wrong with their drivers if that's all they're getting out of that. But, um, and, and what, and just to catch you up, what I hear is that they think they can claw back more performance, but it, I'd leave that out as a let's see, I'll have to see it to believe it after seeing the claims they made this year. So I don't know. There's a lot of worry that RDNA 3 is just kind of, it's, you know, I don't think it's a bust. I, I think at the end of the day, they've got a $1,000 card that is competitive with a $1,200 4080. So I don't, I think even on paper, like even if it did fall short, it's still not bad. But I don't know. I, I guess have, you haven't seen any of that or that's not your perception that there's anything wrong with it or because they, they've been bragging about like an over 50% efficiency increase and what we get is something that doesn't seem to be that even close compared to what they used to claim. Yeah, I think the only thing I remember was that they were saying that the 7900 XTX was going to be like a 4090 or something, and everyone was, you know, like, yeah, and then it didn't. That's I think that's the only the only thing I saw. But as for how that translates to the RDNA 3 portion of Phoenix, um, I'm not too sure because 
Like that would just be the integrated graphics, right? Yeah, and it's on four nanometer. From what I've heard, the versions of RDNA three and Phoenix and uh, Navi thirty three are their own versions of RDNA three, which that's always true. I mean, they always have to change more than a few things. These are all on different nodes. Um, I, I guess. Yes. <laughs> I, let me throw this out there. I would say. I don't know. When I look at the 7600 MXT benchmarks here, it depends. Are they lying again? <laughs> if they're lying again, then we'll find out soon enough. But if they're not, what we have is a card on the same family of nodes as last gen that's 10 to 20% smaller and seems to have raised performance by at least 30% over Navi 23. I would say that seems like it's working great <laughs> if that's true, but we'll have to see if it's true. Um, Although, you know, they didn't mention Phoenix performance really at all, did they? Yeah, not really. They briefly teased something like, oh, we'll have better battery life than ever, but they didn't go into any specifics at all. And to me, battery life a lot of the time comes down to the iGPU because, you know, that's what's actually driving the display and everything you've got open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, And just to fill you in, because I know you don't pay attention to this space, but there were some other people claiming they had sources that phoenix was going to beat the 3060 with its integrated graphics last year and not to no <laughs> is what I, I always said there's there's no way that's happening and the fact that they're not even talking about the integrated graphics yet i think tells you it's not going to um yeah i think that's all you need to know really the, the only other thing i would say though is it is it really is weird whether it's good or bad that they didn't talk about the integrated graphics of phoenix my suggestion actually is that they are trying to fix the performance of RDNA 3 across the board, and maybe they haven't shown it yet because they're hoping to have better numbers in a couple months. I don't know. That's a suggestion I would make because uh, do you disagree? Like, let's say the performance is only what I was expecting last year, not, you know, not triple the performance or something silly, but I expected, you know, 40 to 60% increase in integrated. They're going from six to four nanometer. They're doubling the teraflops or something. I'm like eh, 20 to 40% more, maybe, maybe 60. Uh, I'm sorry, 40 to 60% more. If it was only going to be like 20% better, <laughs> would it be better to just rip off the bandaid and tell us now? Or do you think, no, or do you think that they really might just be hiding that it's not much better than last gen until the last minute? Yeah, I don't know, because for integrated graphics specifically, at least for me, because I mostly focus on gaming models that have discrete graphics anyway, it's not really that important. So even if it is low and they just don't want to say it, I guess I wouldn't really care that much myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I do know a lot of people, you know, like to game on battery and they prefer using integrated graphics for that. So I suppose in those instances, you know, you, you would want to know whether or not it's actually going to be worth waiting for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me see here. It, Envious writes in and says, why are a, why is AMD's 7600 MXT and 7700S based on the same Navi 33 core configuration? The only difference seems to be the maximum thermal graphics power. Do you think we need both the M and S product lines when at least this generation so far, they seem to basically be the same silicon? Yeah, I thought that was quite strange. So they, or AMD provided a table uh, that I included in one of my videos where they showed all the specs side by side. I mean, they didn't list absolutely everything, but, you know, the, the main things looked exactly the same with the only difference being the maximum power limit. So they both had the same minimum power limit, but the M series went like 15 to 25 watts higher. 
And yeah, I thought that was quite strange too. Like, why are we designating a different letter to a product based on a power limit, which is something that's arbitrarily set by like the OEM? I mean, at a minimum, doesn't that at least make it so you know what you're buying? Um, because when they say I suppose. 40, 90 laptop, and it's like, what is it, from 80 to 150 watts, and the 40... It's a big range. The 4070 can go down to 35 watts, is that true? Or was that... The, I think it might have been the 4060, I'm not sure. Um, the 4070 can go down to 35. Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking... And it's based on the same silicon as the 4070 Ti that seems to use 200 watts. I can assure you at 35 watts, this thing's going to be performing quite differently than the 150 watt version. Um, I don't know. I, at least you know what you're buying, right? I used to like that NVIDIA put max Q on my 2060 because I was like, oh, good. So if I undervolt this, maybe I'll get close to it, but I shouldn't expect desktop 2060 performance out of the box. But does it let you know what you're buying, though? Because hmm. the power limit range specified by AMD isn't necessarily what they're actually going to use in the laptop. So although the M might be you know, able to go higher, maybe in a specific laptop, they max it out at a wattage, which is the same that the S can hit yeah. because it's a range. I don't know. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, what, what I would also throw out there is, and this is something I've learned more and more, like just kind of talking to people like Daniel Nenny from SemiWiki and just other people who like bin graphics cards, like the difference there, there are different types of good yields. Um, there's some, you know, a fully enabled yield. You don't need to disable any of the cores, ev the bus, everything works. Everything is fully enabled, but some fully enabled yields clock so low compared to the best samples that they will disable them from like a 7900 XTX to a 7900 XT, just because it would only run all of the cores at like 1.5 gigahertz. And so let's just disable, you know, 10% of them or 20% of them or whatever, so that we can run them at 2.5 gigahertz. It'll actually outperform if we left this thing fully enabled. Actually, that's something that was a rude awakening to some people that enabled those Athlon times threes to times fours, is they found their fourth core only ran at like two gigahertz or something. And that's why AMD disabled the Phenom to an Athlon. So, so there's fully enabled yields. Then there's yields that clock really high, but also require the voltage. Then there's yields that clock decently high, but require very little voltage to get there. And then there's yields that don't clock very high, but actually can be undervolted a ton. I would suggest maybe that the S yields are the ones that have really good performance at lower voltage, relatively speaking, but can't clock as high. I would assume. Otherwise, I would make the argument that it's completely pointless, and I would hope there isn't literally a pointless reason for doing this. Yeah, I mean, that would make more sense than anything else so far. <laughs> Out of the box, though, I think it's fair to say that you might get plenty of M's that perform the same as S's, you know? Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But expect to get better undervolting performance if you get an S? I don't know. <laughs> um, Mo Abdul writes in and says, Hi, Tom and Jared. AMD recently released a large data center APU called MI300. There's lots of CPU cores and a powerful GPU in uh, a single SOC. Do you foresee a high-end APU like that reaching desktop and laptop that's meant to be challenging for best performance in both general compute and graphics instead of an APU being for low-power mobile or low-end desktop? Or is that just something Apple's going to keep doing by themselves? Yeah, so I don't know anything about this specific chip, but it did make me think of something that uh, Asus were doing in one of their, I think it was like a ZenBook or something this mm -hmm. year. Um, they worked with Intel to uh, get 
like so normally on like a laptop motherboard you have like the cpu package and then some parts away from that you'll have like uh the memory and stuff like that so they worked with intel to basically get everything like super close together and i don't think it was you know all on the one the one chip but uh they were claim- they were claiming some pretty nice improvements from that so you know and apple have shown that doing that and integrating everything well does give nice performance gains uh yeah i i, I suppose a company like amd might be much better positioned to do something like that given that they do both you know cpu and gpu yeah, I think a lot of this comes down to who is this going to be able to be sold to and what's your primary market? So with Apple, their primary market is cell phones and then laptop. Like they are working on server chips, I hear, but even when they come out, that's not going to be their main money driver for probably ever, but for years. Um, whereas with AMD, the Navi 33, there's going to be data center versions of that card. There's going to be desktop versions of that card. Like, I don't know why, like, MI300 isn't cheap. You know, why make a giant APU if that's not your main market? It's an advantage that you can do that for people who are willing to spend. I mean, what I think MI300 has... 3,000 millimeter squared around interposer on the bottom. And then stacked on top of that is for around 350 to 400 millimeter squared tiles. On top of that are, on each one of those tiles has two compute tiles. So then that's another eight tiles of like 100 to 150 probably millimeter squared compute. And then they put a layer of silicon on top to keep it structurally sound. What are we talking about here? Like four or five thousand millimeters squared of silicon? I, if they put that in a laptop, I think that's thousands of dollars in silicon cost alone. Um, I don't know yeah. what that market is, but if you're Apple, your main market is these laptops. Hey, you make a 400 millimeter squared APU, it doesn't need to fit on a desktop socket. It's fine. That's just all you're doing. So, my question would be is, where are they looking to do something crazy? And the only place they've done anything like this is consoles like PlayStation and Xbox, where they're kind of doing that already. I don't know. I think the best thing we could hope for is like, if they made a version of the Xbox, probably not even PlayStation because they'd want that to be their own design that could be used in laptops. But you have to ask yourself, will that actually be any cheaper than just putting a 7700S and a Phoenix chip together because they seem to work fine together. And if it is better, is it four times better? Because it'll probably cost four times more. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know on that one. But I, have you been expecting bigger APUs to come to laptop from AMD over the past few years? Because I think we had a lot of hype a few years ago. I did that they might bring something crazy to laptop, like a big APU and. If anything, they've gone in the opposite direction. Is this something you were expecting to materialize? That's not something I've been expecting, but, you know, over the last few years, I have seen them offering more performance in that regard compared to Intel. Mm -hmm. So I suppose if that's your only competition, I I guess you're not really too motivated to, you know, push that forward as hard as you can. But yeah, they they have still been giving uh, decent improvements compared to the competition, I suppose. Well, actually, that's a perfect jumping off point because i just want to talk about now your impressions of phoenix and dragon range in general and chris rich writes in 
And he says, until recently, AMD has been focused on APUs for laptops, Well, they do have a decent market share. The release of Dragon Range suggests that that APU-only strategy didn't meet their expectations. Did AMD get their strategy wrong? or And what are your hopes for or expectations for the future of APUs and laptops? Um, I, I want to throw this out there because you kind of touched on it a little bit, like competition and what they what they think can compete with what. I don't think AMD ever expected their 150 millimeter squared APUs to be in top range laptops. I think they're pleasantly surprised that Renoir was able to beat Intel's laptop chips. I don't think they thought that would happen. Intel just completely stagnated. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I don't think it was like, you know, priority one of the game plan. And with dra uh, Dragon Range, they definitely needed to do something compared to last gen if they wanted to compete with Intel in multi-core performance. So that doubling of uh, eight cores, 16 threads to 16 cores, 32 threads this year gives them that advantage. And, you know, I suppose to have those cores, something's got to, something's got to give, like, presumably you don't have enough room for as much GPU space. And it kind of does make sense if they're only going to put these in the super high-end laptops, they're, they're going to have discrete graphics anyway. Yeah. Um, I think the way I would put it then is like they were never intending <laughs> Cezanne to compete with 100 watt i9s. Uh, they were just certainly happy it did. And now they want to compete with 100 watt i9s. And so they're using what they have on the shelf. Like they could just spend, I think I've heard like hard designs for these chips can take five to $10 million or more. Just the design itself. It's not even like including validation and stuff. Like, I mean, should they spend five to ten million dollars designing a sixteen core AP, or should they go? Yeah, we kind of already have that on desktop. It'll be thirty percent less efficient, but let's just throw that into the high end laptops. And I just think they haven't bothered to do it in the past because they knew, or I, I think they might be kicking themselves because it probably would have done well in hindsight. But I, I think they thought it may have been silly to go for the four thousand dollar laptop market when so many enthusiasts want that Intel sticker. And uh, and now they are, but like, what what do you think about Dragon Range? Like, do, is it exciting to you at all? Or yeah, I'm much more excited for it compared to uh, what we got last year. So, like I mentioned towards the start, I think like the 6800H was like maybe a 10 percent or so boost over the 5800H. I can't remember exactly. That's just mm -hmm. my takeaway memory. But yeah, uh, this year we're actually getting double cores and threads, and the cache is four times higher. And we've already seen with like the 5800 X3D that that can help in games. So maybe they'll actually compete against Intel's top end i9s in games, which hasn't been the case for at least the last few years. Yeah. And, and maybe I'll throw this out there now. I don't think I saw, yeah, there were no reader mails uh, submitted by the fans uh, about Intel's laptops. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to be honest, it's really hard for me to get excited about. Intel announcements lately. I thought Alder Lake was awesome. I thought Tiger Lake was great. I thought even cool little experiments like Lakefield were cool. Um, but, and I thought Raptor Lake was promising for how quickly it came out after Alder Lake. It, like, oh, they added cores again. Cool. But I, should I be excited for Raptor Lake laptops? It's the same note as Alder Lake. To me, it sounds like they're going to shove a few more cores on there. It is more efficient than Alder Lake. It's actually impressively more efficient considering it's using the same node, but I find it hard to believe this is going to have a chance against, you know, five nanometer Zen 4 when on desktop it's like 300 watt versus 170 watt, and now it's going to be 
157 watt versus 100 watts from AMD. I find this very hard to believe Intel is going to come out looking good in this comparison. Yeah, so from what Intel are claiming, so obviously their own benchmarks, take with a grain of salt, all that, um, I think it was like 10 or 11% single core boost in like one test. And then obviously there was multi-core gains because of the extra eight e-cores. But yeah, if you're only adding eight e-cores and then AMD's, you know, doubling what they've got, it's going to be much closer than uh, what it was last year where Intel, you know, had the clean win. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm definitely more interested in comparing those this year than I was last year. What did they say was the increase in multi-threading over the, it was eight plus eight Alder Lake before now it's eight plus 16. Yeah. Like, uh, so it depends on the workload. They had like some, one of those like spec view mm -hmm. multi-core workloads. I've never actually run it myself, but they're claiming like a 40% boost in that or something. That's a very AMD bursty workload though. That's not, that's not blender. Okay, well, that might be why I've got no experience with that one. But yeah, AMD was at least using like Cinebench numbers and they were saying like, uh, what was it? I think it was like 78% higher compared to the 6900HX, which sounded a little low to me. I mean, if you're doubling the cores and threads, you know, assuming everything scales perfectly, you would expect 100%, but that's not even accounting mm -hmm. for the Zen 3 plus to Zen 4 improvements. So I don't know if they're just not able to give it enough power or what the deal is there? Well, I think there's no way around it. There's going to be some throttling with both of these chips. You know, these are desktop oh, yeah, chips yeah. they're shoving into <laughs> laptops uh, and smaller packages. But I'm looking at a WCCF Tech article. Let me see. When was this from December 20th? Eh, I wish it was more recent than that because I don't really want to quote. I want, let me see here if I can find this really quick. I want like an official benchmark from intel that includes anything but bursty workloads yeah they've got a blender one uh with blender bmw um so they're using the 12900 hk as the baseline mm -hmm. and they're saying that the 13950 hx is plus 79 percent. they also have the 12900 hx below it but they didn't include the percentage improvement okay well, that's an insane increase there. That's interesting. <laughs> what TDP were they running that at? Oh, but this is six plus eight, not eight plus eight. So the HK, so this isn't the, yeah, yeah. okay. I guess uh, I think we're just, I think maybe we agree. We're kind of going to have to wait for reviews to see where it actually shakes out because I mean, I could see it being a huge increase because I know Raptor Lake is more efficient, but I could also see some of the designs running into a similar probably not the same because i don't think anything's going to be that bad again but a similar thing that happened when intel first shoved those six cores into like apple laptops and they underperformed the quad cores hoping that doesn't happen this time i don't think it will but yeah um let me let me know what you think about this so i was told that and and of course this is literally true from the perspective of they're putting vCache, they're stacking cache on the desktop variant. They're the same chiplets, so they can do this on laptop if they want to. I've heard they're developing mobile variants that use vCache, which I think would benefit laptop even more because they usually run at bit lower clock speeds, they have more voltage limits. That's more of an issue for desktop where they're trying to hit 5.7 gigahertz and less of an issue for laptop where they're probably just trying to hit 5 gigahertz anyways. Like, how what's the question how excited would you be and how competitive do you think intel would be against an x3d dragon range launch happening like six months from now because i kind of think that's going to happen 
Yeah, well, I mean, that sounds pretty good. But like I said, it's already a 4x increase compared to what they had before. So I'm already pretty excited just for that. So if they, you know, if anything on top of that, that just sounds like icing on the cake to me. Yeah. I mean, my per- my personal opinion is that AMD doesn't see a need to launch <laughs> to rush this out the door with how much they're increasing it yeah. already, right? Um, yeah, that could be true as well. Let me see here. So l- let me get right into this question here, which t- it seems like the plurality at a minimum of our questions were involving this. Um, let's see. Nabed writes in and says, hey, Jared and Tom, isn't it frustrating how AMD could have good laptop hardware on paper, but then you find out that AMD laptops aren't gonna are going to be very scarce on release for OEMs and are just not going to be supported by many of them for some reason. Why do you think AMD has constantly struggled with availability? It's weird that a- OEMs keep snubbing AMD. And, and this is, you know, this whole discussion kind of surprised me because when I did my analysis video of CES, I was just like, Intel's screwed when it comes to performance and laptop this year. Well, we got 10 nanometer versus four nanometer and then AMD's desktop chips competing against Intel's desktop chips that are going to have to run at half the TDP. Like, I don't see how Intel can really compete, but I saw so many comments saying that AMD seems to be in less laptops this year. Is mm. that seem to be what's going to happen to you from what you, because I get, maybe I just didn't pay attention to that part of the presentation. Yeah. Maybe I focus on specs too much. No, it's definitely true. So we can use Asus as a specific example. So Last year's G14 was uh, Ryzen CPU, Radeon GPU. This year, it's Ryzen CPU, NVIDIA GPU. Uh, they also have the, the Flow X16, which is like their 16-inch gaming tablet. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, that was Ryzen CPU. Now it's Intel CPU. Uh, last year, they had the Zephyrus G15, which was Ryzen CPU. And now it's Zephyrus G16 this year, Intel CPU again. So that's three instances where they've moved away from either Ryzen CPU or Radeon graphics to Intel or NVIDIA. And and my is understanding this just replacing is replacing it, or is it another option? Like, there's just not an AMD option announced yet, is what you're saying, too? Uh, my understanding is that it's replacing okay. it, and I believe that it's because they basically don't want to sit around and wait for supply. They actually want to be able to sell these things, you know, from February. Mm-hmm. So, again, like we were talking about before, I think it's really just supply and demand, but if there's not enough supply, you know, what a company's going to do, they want to still push out their products. So from their perspective, I can see it making sense to swap to Intel and NVIDIA if they can actually get it. Yeah. Rather than not having anything. Well, I mean, you gave a lot of it. We already touched on this, you know, near the beginning of this discussion, like there were, mo- there's a model you brought up where they were going to offer AMD and canceled it because they could only make like 10 of them or something. And then they're like, are not getting any more. And that's where I, I wonder, like, you know, I was talking to one of my contributors, Karino Sugata, who helps out with the channel a lot. And I was like, do you have like a, a number though? Because before we declare anything, like what's, what's the difference? And he's like, it seems like, and he just tallied really quickly from a few press releases. He's like, it kind of seems like a- Intel has at least like a, a, around quadruple the design wins so far. I, I don't know if, if it feels like that's a low ball to you or not. But if that's true, AMD is a fifth the size of Intel and has about a fourth the market share. Should we be expecting them to have more design wins than this? Like, I- I'm just asking an open question. Yeah, I suppose maybe not from that perspective. Uh, over the last few years, AMD laptops have definitely 
gone up in popularity significantly and maybe it's maybe that's just grown too quickly for them because i still get a lot of comments of people being like no amd no buy <laughs> so uh, yeah i don't know it just seems like they just need to be able to make more and everything would be solved but i guess that's it's not as easy as that yeah um i've i, I remember seeing that a ton with renoir but if anything that was worse and again i'm pulling up the statista chart here and from what i'm seeing what was it renoir came out like when did that come out? Like 2020, I think. Um, AMD was at 12% market share there. I don't know. I I, I guess what I just want to, and I'll, I'll throw in a reader mail here to acknowledge this too. Clean Sweep says, do you think AMD's weaker focus on laptops this year is because they're continuing to pro- prioritize fulfilling server orders? Or could it be that OEMs are doubling down on SKUs with proven mindshare like Intel NVIDIA laptops or Intel or NVIDIA GPUs on AMD laptops? I just want to suggest, I don't think it's either. I think they're not going to make more designs than they know AMD can ship. Like, would it really be so bad if what happens is every company has like one or two AMD options, but there's a lot of them and they just don't try to have a hundred options you can't order? I don't I don't know. And I've heard this from Best Buy as well. I have a few contacts at Best Buy and they told me those, uh, for years they've told me the Renoir, Saison, versions of the g14 they could not keep in stock because people and my brother has one they're so sought after that maybe they're like you know this is our highest volume sku if intel is even remotely competitive which i think they will be remotely competitive at least um what's the point in our flagship having an amd cpu we can't ship yeah i mean that would make sense just uh Focus on the popular models and actually have them in stock. I think that's key. If you've, yeah, rather than putting it in, you know, everything and having an AMD version of everything, I think a lot of people would be happy if they could just get those models that they really wanted, like the G14 or Legion 7 or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I didn't pay. All I remembered really from the uh, CES uh, keynote from AMD. Well, there were two things. The Microsoft portion was weird. The guy like came on stage and seemed like he decided not to announce something that was very odd. Uh, but the HP one seemed like they were excited about AMD. And then I just didn't pay attention to anything else. I don't know. I, I guess maybe I, I slept on that more models weren't being announced than you would hope. But there, there's just look at the comments we already have in this discussion that we got to like from QH Freddy and such where they're like, where are the Rembrandt U laptops? And then people are like, why aren't more laptop designs being announced from AMD? I don't know, guys. I think it's because they couldn't ship what you wanted last year, too. So yeah. I guess we'll see if AMD loses market share this year in laptop, then we'll know something else was up. But my I, I'm going to suggest maybe they just want to actually try to fulfill their orders this year. Um, I don't know. That, that's my suggestion. At least I hope that's what it is because their technology looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it's a good problem for them to have sell everything you make. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it, it's just, it's going to be a burden for AMD. Probably. I, I was going to say for the next few years, but I'm like, I don't know if there's really a time limit on it until AMD gets to 60% market share, which I doubt they will e- even remotely assume it, even if ever. I think it's always going to be this circumstance where they just don't have the volume that Intel does. And even then, I think I would also point this out. From what I've heard, I almost forgot to bring this up, talking to OEMs, 
Intel like will basically design some of the laptops for Dell. Like they will show up and design the cooling, everything. AMD's trying to do that now, but I think they have 15 to like 20,000 something employees until it's like 100 plus thousand. I really think there's a situation here too where OEMs have realized AMD can't even help us design half of these. So we'll help you AMD if you help us with one design and it's pointless to work on the others. I don't know. I think moving forward, I guess I'm just kind of repeating myself, but I wonder if we should just expect until AMD has like 30,000 employees, I don't think they can afford to have more designs too. Like, And OEMs, I don't know if they're lazy. I, you might just argue they're smart. They don't want to make things that they have to design on their own and take a risk, right? Yeah, so I've got two things to say okay. to that. I guess I think a lot of AMD's success has just, you know, like you say, the amount of employees, they, I guess they just can't keep, they haven't been able to keep up with it. And maybe they've been too successful for their own good, I suppose, because you can't just, you know, turn on the CPU switch and suddenly you've got, you can fulfill everything. That's just not how it works. And also, I have talked to at least hmm. one OEM, it was like two or three years ago. But yeah, like you said, they basically mentioned that they got financial support from, I can't remember if it was Intel or NVIDIA, because I was asking, why isn't there an AMD version of this? And they're basically like, yeah, Intel, you know, kind of helped us with this, so we can't do an AMD version of it. And I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and actually what I've heard uh, from another leaker that I think uh, is something, someone you can at least take to the bank is he's never making anything up. He said Navi 33 for the 7600M that it literally is drop-in compatible with laptops. Like, it, this is by design. It, <laughs> it is a around 200 millimeter squared die with similar power requirements with a, the same amount of RAM, purposefully so OEMs don't need to redesign any of their AMD laptops for this yet. I wonder if Phoenix is drop-in compatible with Rembrandt as well. I, I, I'm wondering if a lot of this is they don't need to design a new model for these, and they haven't announced them yet because Intel's shipping first. I, I wonder if in a few months they're just going to say, hey, remember the old version of the G4 team? Now it has Phoenix and Rembr and uh, Navi 33. Done. We didn't have to change almost anything. I would suggest that that was kind of AMD's plan the whole time because they knew they can't. It probably took a lot of money for them to have any AMD designs last year at all, and they probably want to reuse them. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense if you can make it easier to put your hardware in something that's already been created then yeah i think that makes perfect sense um let's hope <laughs> i don't know about you guys but over the holiday season i tend to eat extra calories and jesse here is no different she's probably about to go eat that bone right now but you know jesse's a growing girl she needs as many calories as she can get and she's also a dog she doesn't really think about if any of those calories are healthy unlike probably most of you humans watching who are about to go back to work after the holiday season and want something easy to make that hopefully will help you get off some of that holiday weight if that's you consider getting vite ramen vite ramen is a sponsor of this piece of content and vite ramen is an american company that crafted a protein and nutrient rich meal that takes minutes to make without sacrificing taste you can use their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and ingredients of your choice or the new ramen go packages that let you microwave something quickly if you really only do have a 15 minute lunch break and you know Vite Ramen has been an excellent sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for over a year. They've been good to us. So if you're looking for something like this, be good to them. Click on the link in the description and use the special New Year's Eve holiday code Moore's Law to get 10% off any order 
and a free package of ramen additionally while supplies last. Go to the link in the description, use the offer code Moore's Law, and buy Vite Ramen today. Krast writes in and says, I was helping my brother find a laptop for his research work, which includes a bit of machine learning, but also a lot of writing papers in large spreadsheets. And I accidentally stumbled upon the Rembrandt 6800HS update of the VivoBook Pro 14 OLED. It seems pretty neat as a creator laptop with a Pantone calibrated 1600p 90 hertz OLED display. Yeah, I found that really interesting, 90 hertz 1600p. It's amazing how Asus didn't cede this to reviewers, and so I could only find reviews of the older Cezanne version. This thing is incredibly impressive piece of kit and somehow cheaper than the older version too, by the way. Why is it that these laptops get so little marketing effort, and why is it that there are always tons of interesting models that never get any marketing that I think are overlooked? Yeah, so with that specifically, uh, just for at least me personally, uh, or last year, I basically declined anything that wasn't a gaming laptop just because I had my hands completely full with that already. So I decided to focus on that. But as for the Vivo book, I think it's a problem with Asus, to be honest, because they, like I was looking at their Zenbook, Vivo book, Studio book lineups this year. Mm -hmm. They've just got so many different configurations. I noticed like, that on their website last year. I was like, what are all of these Vivo books I've never heard of? Yeah. There's like one that'll be slightly different. It'll have like a wheel for, you know, adjusting settings in Photoshop. And there'll be a different one that has like some other different feature. There'll be one with two screens, one with the keyboard that lifts up. And you've just got all these variants. And, you know, I can see that being difficult from, for them to market. Like, which one do you, do you want to promote? Yeah. And especially, and so that's that also brings up kind of something I was saying before, too, is I almost wonder, are there going to be these stealth launches of updated AMD laptops in a few months? Because uh, that's something I think to look out for, because Asus just did this with this weird 1600p OLED laptop that just finally got Rembrandt. I wonder how often that's going to happen where just out of nowhere, it's dropped by all of these companies and that's when you can get it. But I guess you would hope AMD actually pushes them to market it. Yeah. I'm also interested in if, say, this particular update gets refreshed this year from the 6800HS, uh, if they start using chips like the 7735HS, mm -hmm. because according to the specs, that's the exact same thing. It's still Zen 3 Plus, same cores, same cache. Literally, the only thing that's different is it's got a plus 50 megahertz single core boost speed. So it's like, it's just because it's using the new naming scheme for, you know, the starting. So I, I just wonder if stuff like that will cause confusion as well. Because, you know, you might think, oh, it's got a 7,000 CPU instead of 6,000, but the specs are the same. Well, let me ask you about that. I kind of forgot to put that in the notes, but obviously I, I noticed like the tops Phoenix, then Rembrandt, then I would assume they still have a couple of Saisons in there. And then soon they're going to launch Mendocino quad core Zen 2, that micro APU that's dirt cheap at the bottom of their lineup. How do you feel about them all having the same lineup being portrayed as being from the same lineup? Uh, yeah, it's tough because I can see it from both ways. So it's great for me because I can just look at it and the number will tell me yes. which architecture it is. It's never done that before because we had like 5,700 year and 5800 year in the past, which I think was Zen 2 and Zen 3, respectively. So that caused some confusion before. So now that you can actually see that, that's cool. But yeah, for like the general consumer, they're just going to see like, oh, it's 7,000 now. That's higher than 6,000. 
And then, I don't know, maybe they'll spend more or something. Or maybe they'll get less performance than they saw in a review that had a Zen 4 version and they're actually getting Zen 3+. Plus. Yeah, and Sorry. I don't know. When I see stuff like this, as long as it's labeled as different, I don't really care. I would agree that last gen that was particularly bad, that they literally didn't denote anything for the end user to be able to tell what it was. But I would say it's been worse. I just sent you a link to uh, the uh, Radeon 200 series. I don't know if you remember when AMD used, like this is like eight years ago, AMD had the rebrandion memes. Like they had a generation that had, I think, three different generations of architecture eventually. Oh, especially going into the 300 series. Like they were rebranding what was originally the HD 7850. And then that had crossfire cables. And then they had other things like the 7790 that became, I believe, the 260X, and then I think the 350 or 360X. And then they had the 290X, the 390X. So they had this situation where they were like, I remember this hilarious chart on AMD.com where they were like, this SKU requires no crossfire cables and supports the latest HDMI and display port. And then that would be like, you know, the 300, the 390. Then they'd say the 380X and 380 don't need it as well but then there'd be like one above it or below it that did and they like depend there was no rhyme or reason it wasn't like everything at the top didn't need crossfire cables and supported the latest display port it was like seemingly random which one so it's certainly been worse than this i would say yeah well at the end of the day it does give more clarity than there has been it just might be a little awkward in between when we start seeing like things we had last gen and the generation before being rebranded. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it depends if, you know, OEMs are going to be marketing it as, oh, it's the latest 7,000, it's the highest number ever. And then it's just like something they've had for years. So I guess it depends on that. You would hope that someone like Alienware wouldn't put on their landing page, 7,000 series Ryzen laptops are here unless they let you configure it up to Phoenix. <laughs> you would hope. I hope so. But like the Asus Sephiroth G14, as you mentioned, keeps getting sold out at Best Buy. Um, I believe they're using, uh, what is it, 7040HS, mm-hmm. so Phoenix, and also that 7735HS I mentioned, so Zen 3 Plus. So it sounds like there's going to be a Zen 3 Plus version of the G14, but it'll still have um, RTX 40 GPU. Mm-hmm. Well, so that was the first instance where I thought it might get a bit confusing. Well, and I have to point this out to people like from what I've heard, AMD continues to buy tons of six nanometer capacity, which is what Rembrandt used in the 7735, you said, and the 6900, all those all six nanometer. And now they're also buying a ton of four nanometer capacity. And we keep complaining about AMD's availability. I think they have to do this, guys, to be able to make enough chips like yeah, that was that was the other thing I, I was thinking as well. Because like, what we've been talking about, if there's no availability, but then they've got this option to produce something which is still good. It's just not might not be as good, mm-hmm. but it's still still definitely decent. So yeah, I I can see it from both sides. And I think I I think you're going to see, of course, Raptor Lake uh, outperform Rembrandt. You know, at similar TDPs, but I don't actually know if all of the Rembrandt models will be that much less efficient. It's made on 6 nanometer, Intel's is made on 10. Rembrandt didn't really raise performance for the CPU that much, but its efficiency, especially idling, was kind of crazy. Like, it kind of wiped the floor in my memory. 
with Alder Lake below 25 watts in terms of like how much battery life you would get. So I don't know. From my perspective, as long as they name it correctly, which they didn't last gen, um, this was always going to happen, guys. I isn't Intel also rebranding Alder Lake into half of their new lineup anyways, too? Yeah, I heard that somewhere, but I didn't actually, like, they didn't actually tell that to me when I had, like, my meeting with them weeks ago with what was coming. So maybe I just missed it. But yeah, I have heard someone say that some of the 13th gen processors were still going to be last gen, just that new name. Yeah, and I think... I also don't know if that was mobile or if it was just for desktop. That's why I asked, because I, I know it was true for desktop, but I think I heard it recently for mobile as well. Oh, here we go. Intel announces 13th gen laptop. Well, they're not going to probably say on the chart, but you can look at the cash amounts. And if there's a precipitous drop off, eh, it kind of seems as far as I can tell. All right, let me pull this up as a comparison. I5, 600K, and then I can compare the cash amounts. So what do we got? Six plus, oh, of course, that's six plus four, though. That's 20. And then we have six plus four here, 20. Okay. Yeah. So they're at least for some of these I5s I'm seeing without, you know, wasting 20 minutes of the podcast looking at two charts back and forth. At least part of the laptop lineup is rebranded Alder Lake as well. So I don't know. It's not as much as AMD where they seem to have like four, four different APUs they're using for 7,000 with like Mendocino, Saison, Rembrandt, Phoenix. Yeah. Four. Mm -hmm argue five if you include dragon range um but at the same time i don't know intel's doing it too aren't they if it helps availability then also i can kind of get on board let's just hope it as actually long as you know does. what you're getting at the end of the day you know yeah um you know so it i guess one more thing i guess there's no way for you to know if like the person i was talking to included this but you said the G14 is getting updated to the rebranded Rembrandt and 40 series laptop GPUs. That doesn't count as a new design win, though, does it? So there you go. They are just you using their own designs then, right? Yeah, that would make sense. Otherwise, how else would they do yeah. it? So I don't know. I, At least not with a bunch of work. And you can put Phoenix in it, guys. So you can get Phoenix. It's just the last model that AMD spent the, the limited amount of money they had is what I would suggest is going on this generation. And my guess is what we're going to see is near the end of this year, you'll see a bunch of new AMD designs. But in reality, what's going on is AMD's preparing for launching Strix next year. And that's when they're finally going to put in the money again. Um, all right, let's 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 start wrapping this up with some final reader mail questions, if you have the time. Um, Balto writes in and says, when do you guys think would be a good time to potentially buy a 2022 laptop model for cheap? Would it be good to try to spring now or wait a few months or more? Yeah, so we actually launched a website to post gaming laptop deals last year. And oh. we've been looking at deals basically daily. And since Black Friday time, there really hasn't been that many amazing sales. And that is still the case right now today. And, you know, I think that makes sense. Like, why would laptops right now go on sale before the new stuff is actually available. Because if you need something now, you'll just buy it. So potentially, I would expect maybe if there's a lot of availability of the new stuff that the sales wouldn't begin until we actually see that availability, which I guess according to NVIDIA is like February 8th mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my best guess. But so you, I guess the, so 
You're saying if if his question is literally right now, they don't seem to be much cheaper, so you're not seemingly getting yeah. a bargain. But do yeah. you think that, because here's what I've been thinking about. Here's When we look at desktop sales right now for the newest generations, the 4090, they can't keep it in stock. The 7900 XTX seems to be a little easier to get near MSRP, but still hard to get. People want the flagships from both companies. The 7900 XT is selling, but not great, and it has dropped below MSRP here and there. The 4080 had maybe the worst NVIDIA launch I've seen <laughs> in terms of like how little was supplied, and yet it still didn't sell out. And the 4070 Ti, by the people I've talked to, sounds like it's selling, relatively speaking, even worse than the 4080. Like No one wants this $800 card. Do you think something like that could happen with some of these laptop parts? Because I, I heard about Razer's new multi you know use display and i looked at that before we talked and i was like oh that's interesting and i'm it's just 1080p and 4k right yeah. it's not like it's going to 1440p or something interesting um so yeah the interesting thing is is, a, is that before if you had a 4k 120 hertz screen and you lower the resolution in windows to 1080p it would still be 120 mm-hmm. hertz but now it goes up to 240 hertz i think that's a smart move by them it's just I remember a, a lot of big screen TVs are 4K 60, 1080p, 120. So we've kind of already seen this. And, you know, if the bandwidth allows it, you can run it at a higher refresh rate in 1080p. But now 240 makes it novel for sure. Um, I was looking at the new Razer laptops and it was like, what did it started at like $2,700, didn't come with the fancy yeah. new display and it came with a 4060. So again, let me remind yeah. everyone what that means. A 4060 marginally better than a 3060 no fancy display $2,700 is any i'm just gonna say is anyone gonna buy this shit like because no one's buying the 4070 ti uh comparatively to what nvidia wanted uh it's piling up on shelves a lot of these high-end launches are i think gonna need price cuts i think nvidia and amd were hoping people would accept it they're not do you think the same thing could happen with laptop and then we just have record back to school sales when they find out, oh, it turns out people don't want to put, pay $3,000 for a laptop that has, let's be honest, what should be called a 4050. <laughs> I think it could happen, but I also think using Razer might not necessarily sure. be the best example just because they're, they're always the most expensive. Did you see and if you look at the 3060, it's still... Like, though, like, because I don't know uh, what the new G14 costs with a 4060 or anything. The only thing I've seen... Because not many companies give out prices mm. at CES, unfortunately, just the way it is, is the Acer Nitro 5. Sorry, not Nitro 5. They cut the 5. It's either the Nitro 16 or 17 now. Uh, it starts at 1200 US dollars. They didn't specify the GPU, but considering NVIDIA said 4050 will start at $1,000, <laughs> and this laptop has nice features like Liquid Metal, Mux Switch, Advanced Optimus, and it's 1200. I would have to assume that you're spending 200 to get those extra things, but it's still a 4050. And yeah, that's 3060 price territory for sure. So it's like we talked about before. It depends. Is the 4050 actually going to compete with that? The 3060 has 50% more CUDA cores and a 50% higher, or no, where did the 4050 the double the bus? <laughs> I'm going to just call it the 4050 will be weaker than a 3060, and now it's $200 more. So that's what I'm wondering. Is anyone actually going to buy this because this seems at least on desktop they're charging more for more and that sucks but here it seems like they're charging more for less but it's more efficient i guess and you can play games at 30 frames per second input lag with dlss3 if you so choose 
I I don't know. I, I'm just that's what I that comes to mind when Falto asks the question: Should people buy now, or do you think things will get cheaper? I don't think they're probably going to get cheaper on laptop for a few months because it takes months for them to roll out. But oh yeah. When 30 series launched, um, I remember Lenovo, I mean, granted it was one of their higher end models, but they were selling a 3050 Ti for 1700, which is just insane. But that's just how it is when stuff literally just comes out, I suppose, because they assume, hey, we might only have like five of these in stock. Surely someone will buy it and they're just willing to take that. I mean, supply and demand again, really. Yeah, and a 3060 laptop right now is about, yeah, there's $1,000 options, and I've seen people get them for 800 mm. with a super sale or something. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, call me crazy. My prediction, I and I hope I'm right <laughs> on this one, is that when people see the new laptops come out for 1200 with a 4050, they're not going to jump at the opportunity to buy it over the summer anyways. So, I don't know, Falto, I would say if you want to get a $4,000 laptop, it will be a lot better than the previous $4,000 ones in a month or two. But I would, I, I, I want, I, I'm guessing that we're going to see some pretty big laptop sales at the end of summer when some of these models don't sell. Could be wrong, though. If I am, I'm going to be a little depressed because I was really hoping to get a new laptop this year. But I'll speak for myself personally. I don't know about you, Jared, but I, I'm not spending $2,000 for a 4060 laptop. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't either at that price. So let me see. Benjamin Oshley writes in and says, Welcome, Jared. A question for both of you. What laptop parts and models are you most looking forward to this generation? So what are you looking uh, forward so I think to? For me, <laughs> so I mean, I'm really looking forward to Dragon Range just to see just to see how much better AMD is compared to last year. Because as I mentioned, double cores, 4X cache, but in terms of specific model. Probably the Legion 7 from Lenovo, and I'm interested in it, but kind of in a bad way, because it looks like they've gone backwards in a number of aspects. So I really want to get it to find out if that's actually the case, because then it'll be kind of disappointing. But I want to know. How have they gone backwards? I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, so uh, it's just really like a bunch of small things that are kind of adding up. So like last year, they had four Type-C, two Type-A ports. Now they've reversed that. So they've got more Type-A. So maybe a lot of people still use Type-A. I suppose that's possible. But you know, from, it's, it's a higher-end model. You would expect there would be kind of future thinking with Type-C you know, becoming more common. Other than that, the stuff like the Ethernet port on the back. Um, last year, the bit with the, like the pull tab was on top. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's on the bottom. So that means you have to lift the uh, laptop up yeah. to unplug the Ethernet. Stuff like that. The RGB bar on the front is like way smaller. So if you care about RGB, it used to go around the sides. It just doesn't look as nice. There's no more RGB on the back. There's no more RGB on the lid. And presumably it's going to cost more for 40 series, but they're getting rid of all this stuff. And also on the sides, the design now looks like it's got these vents. They might be plastic or metal, not sure, but they stick out. And I don't know, the design last year was just like brushed metal and it just looked really nice. And yeah, it's just all these little things combined that it's kind of just like, what are you doing? What you had was really nice. This has happened before, though. I think on Hardware Unboxed a year or two ago, they had like one version. It was either Asus or Gigabyte where the vent wasn't even lined up correctly inside of the laptop or something. Yeah, it was the Asus Tough <laughs> A15 from 2020. Fortunately, they did improve that in 2021. And then 2022, it was actually quite good. But yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I guess my answer here 
I don't know. I just wish I could get something like Phoenix plus some graphics card with 3070 performance, which I was hoping would be a 4060 laptop card. But now I'm that they're using the 107 die for the 4060. I would suggest to get 3070 laptop performance. You're going to have to get a 4070. So and that starts, you know, what we have a 4050 at 1200 is probably going to start at like $1,600 or more. So I don't know. What I'm hoping for is near the end of this year, there just are good options with creator features for me, Um, which I guess I will say that's something that frustrates me. Probably not you. I'm guessing you're on the other side of this argument, but that might make it interesting to bring up. Because I do a lot of editing on the go, I actually like having a higher resolution screen than 1080p. Um, uh, I actually kind of like it to be a touch screen too, because I'm one of those people that you might see in those forced Intel ads that just randomly touches the screen for like, minor things I do. And it seems like in these AMD laptops, they just insist on no touch screen. They insist on the screen resolution not being as high. They don't give it as much RAM. I don't know. I I just want something that has all the features I have now without being forced into less options or not being able to choose AMD because Phoenix looks a lot more efficient to me. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those things I said. Yeah, well, I guess there really aren't that many creator laptops that are Ryzen-based. I think the only ones I've seen were from Asus, like the VivoBook series. Mm -hmm. I think they had like an OLED with a 6900HX, or maybe it was 5800H the year before, can't recall. Um, but yeah, I personally am using a laptop right now, but like I've got it docked with screens and everything. And I mean, I'd be fine with an AMD CPU, but I think NVIDIA graphics for me... I'd, kind of important because I use like Adobe Premiere and stuff. And I mean, just objectively, it does perform better than what Radeon has at the moment. Yeah, and that's why I'm so frustrated with the pricing. <laughs> oh, hopefully, yeah. again, hopefully it improves. All right, let me um let me put one more question here because I know you've got to get out of here pretty soon. Brett Summers writes in and he says, Hello, TNJ. How do you guys feel about the mobile market as a whole? Previous generations have been the usual uplifts, sometimes regressions in some aspects, but to me, it seems like Zen 4 and hopefully soon Meteor Lake are really attempting to push mobile further with performance, efficiency, and AI enhancements at the same time. It seems like a larger than normal leap from both companies for me. So are you excited about the mobile market moving forward? And, you know, I, I maybe I've sounded a little pessimistic. Like, let me know if you feel any of the same pessimism I do about like Lovelace pricing and AMD getting into more designs and if you think that'll improve and if you're just still as optimistic as ever or not. Yeah, the NVIDIA pricing isn't looking that, you know, I'm not that optimistic on that. But yeah, like I've said before, the new AMD CPUs, I'm pretty excited on that just because it's finally something significantly different compared to what they've had before. Uh, and yeah, like we talked about before, Intel, I guess, is a bit less interesting because like, you know, they're just slapping on another eight, equals and i suppose a few other improvements but compared to amd that's i'm just really interested in seeing how those two uh compare against each other mm -hmm. are you I, I don't know if i know you don't look usually <laughs> nearly as far ahead as i try to in some of my content but like what what are your thoughts on like do you have any thoughts on like what meteor like could be and like all of these new accelerators they're adding to both Phoenix and Meteor Lake as well. Like, does that excite you at all? And are you optimistic for Meteor Lake? Uh, so yeah, I don't really look too much ahead because I'm just too busy focused mm -hmm. on what's here in front of me. But yeah, I have noticed the trend of both Intel and AMD doing things like dedicated AI accelerator hardware. I guess I still want to see more practical use cases for that 
because all the examples I've seen so far, it's kind of like, it just seems more like a tech demo to me rather than something that I would You're personally use every day. You're not walking around Redwood Forest identifying trees by their bark patterns all the time with your laptop? Uh, you know, only on the weekends. Okay. Right, but if you did that more often, it'd probably be more exciting. Uh, yeah, too. it'd make more sense then. Go on, I, I kind of cut you off there. I think that was in an Apple commercial like a year uh, ago. Oh, no, no, I, I, I didn't, didn't have much else to add other than I'd just like to see it as something that I would use. But yeah, I'm not really one of those people that's like, doing you know i don't go to the office and i'm doing machine learning and stuff like that so it's not really of a benefit to me so i guess until it benefits what i do and i suppose what most people do then i'm just not that interested in it but it, from a tech perspective it's pretty cool mm-hmm. i guess let me close on this then too so right now amd's got phoenix for their high-end ultralight above that of course they've got the 16 core dragon range for enthusiasts below that Rembrandt, below that, Cezanne, below that will be Mendocino, which is like this micro APU, so they don't have to disable anything to quad cores anymore. I am also aware of something that I've called Little Phoenix. I think in the company they call it Phoenix 2. This is two Zen 4 cores and four Zen 4C cores. Now don't let that mislead you. I wouldn't actually say that's big little. It's more like big and bigger because the Zen 4C cores have half the cash removed they're probably 90 percent as good but they take up half the space which is interesting so small integrated graphics though that's supposed to be like the cost optimized 12 thread version probably coming out later this year and then strix comes out and strix from what i hear is a family of three versions of the platform with tons of tiles so i don't even know what the options are gonna be with zen 5 apus next year i think this is where amd is gonna look much more intel like with their tiled approach what are you hoping out of like Meteor Lake that uses a bunch of tiles? And then what's after Meteor Lake? I think it's Arrow Lake, same thing. And Zen 5, like what would be the holy grail of a lineup to you from either of these companies with how varied and complex and how many options they're bringing to the table? Yeah, I guess just good performance that can let me do what I want in as less time as possible. And uh, yeah, I suppose having options at different price ranges that are actually available and affordable, unlike what NVIDIA 40 is looking like, uh, that would be great too. Do you think you need more battery life though? Because they're like bragging about 30 hour battery lives in Phoenix. Uh, do you want more battery life or do you want it to just actually use everything while it's on battery? Or like, wh- wh- what are you really looking for like at this point? Because we're, our I mean, laptops are so much better than 10 years ago. Yeah, for sure. More is always better in battery life, but. At the same time, you know, I'd also like some more performance on battery because I still remember this one time I was coming back from CES, I was on the plane and I was literally trying to edit my last video on the plane and my battery lasted like 50 minutes. Yeah. I started 50 minutes, half an hour, if that, editing this 4K video and it was just ridiculous. And then you think of like what Apple's got and it, that wouldn't have been a problem at all. Of course, that didn't exist at the time, mm-hmm. but the point remains, I think it'd be really good to have if not the same, but very close to performance on battery to when plugged in, like, because Apple's already proved it can be done. I think that would be really good. Yeah, it'd be cool if, like, Strix made custom tile variations for different companies, and, like, one of them just had a big integrated GPU tile so that there was no chance you couldn't do that. But still not this generation, it seems. We'll probably have to wait another year to hope for that. Um, well, that's, you know, I, I know you've got limited time, and that's... uh we got through all the questions and subjects I wanted to get through. Um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss before you plug yourself? 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I think. Well, then please tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so just search for Jared's Tech on YouTube. It's probably the best way. Uh, also on Twitter. But yeah, one of those two platforms, probably the, the best way to follow what I'm doing. All right, and I'll have, of course, a link in the description to your YouTube channel as well. And I encourage everyone to check out your content. You did done really good comparisons, especially for my memory uh, of like TDP to TDP comparisons. Like there are some scenarios mm. where I believe like Thanks. the 3070 laptop was like losing to some much smaller AMD cards if the TDPs were really limited, which they often are. So check them out. And uh, remember, check that you're subscribed to Moore's Laws Dead on YouTube. Subscribe to Broken Silicon, a podcast app of choice. Give us reviews. Give us thumbs up. Share us with your friends. Subscribe to the Patreon to ask us like Jared questions in the future. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Laws Dead. Moore's Laws Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, I don't do this alone. Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother, Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, and special assistance by Carbon Cry. Find all of our information, including the information of sponsors you can support, at www.moreslawsdead.com. If you would like to send fan mail or hardware to us, please mail parcels to Moore's Laws Dead at P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. And speaking of fans, patrons are what makes Moore's Laws Dead content possible. The aging business model of spamming ads all over the content is dying. The future of media will be built on fans paying for the content they actually want to exist. And so if you have the extra money, but only if you do, please consider supporting us. For just $2 a month, you get access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to have your questions read aloud on Broken Silicon, Die Shrink, and Loose Ends, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who would love to meet you and talk to you about computer hardware. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the entire back catalog of Flyover State's podcasts and other projects, Moore's Laws that is done, and thanks in the credits of videos and other perks as well. And hey, if you can't afford to support us, please do share Moore's Laws Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family on social media, Reddit, and forums. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcast or your preferred podcast app. All of this really does help so much. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, hire Tom for consulting, or are a person of interest who would like to be a guest, please reach out to the email address mlhbdead at gmail.com. But as I said, this podcast would not be possible without its patrons supporting it. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher producer levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Full, AV, Anthony Greffa, Greg Pataki, Muhammad Alquari, Brett Jones, Aaron Close, Little Germany, Jan Rounder, Daniel Hyde, Shred Bird, Brian Riggleman, Dr. Foreman, Sam Miller, Deke, Josh Law, The Mechanical Philosopher, Terrence Herod, SNES Chalmers, Tom Bailey, Greg T. Wanchuk, Andrew S., Frank Zielinski, Daniel D., MJB1, Eric Jackson, Justice Brennan, Sammy Good, Valko Malev, The Boss Haas, Nicholas Buckner, Spantrum G. Spantrum, Jonathan, Lord Starstream, General Drips, Blake, Franco Frederick, Matthew Lazier, Jensen Wang, Nathan Mose, Aziris, Greg S. Acker, Dominique Cock, Jake Dude 23 Jake Martin, Cameron, Christian Lavoy, HardForeRoom.com, Original Ross, Slicky, Lance Basler, J. Vid Cowden, 
Ricky Tan, Chris Frey Butler, Jeezy Ziggy, Sarcastro, Stephen Hart, David Sebastian, Meat and Pork, Stu, Tim Rob, Luis Correa, Ian Clifford, Jesse Jeskowiak, Travis Gooding, Holden Mobley, Nanyan, Chris Rich, Deepest Learners, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stephen Goats, Michael McGee, Chuck Glidden, Sammy Malas, Greg, IAWS Danny, Patrick Groh, Amy Will Chief, Brett Summers, Milton, Stephen Dick, Tommy, Kundin, Brucha, Mark Mitchell, McDevy, Dumbing Peterson, James Anderson, Marshall Pierce, Mark Raidmaker, Dave Schultz, 3DS Boy 08, Al Buma, Narithiel, Matthew Landavazo, Stefan Koat, Henry Zhang, Justin M, Keith Moore, The Grid, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Joseph Kelly, Noah Nicoella, Hexapuma, Chrysantine, Jerome Ferriera, Mayard, Keith Moore, Hida Abdul Kadir, Precision, DNA Tech, Radian Technologies Group, John O'Shea, Roy, Royce Meyer, Charles Russell, Region Ari, Slushbot, Teak Autumn, Jackson, Jackson Miller, GSMMH, Neith Rizink, Mean Dean, Cal, Andre Jacques, Gaiman since Reagan, Jeff Sadler, Jordan Sinkovic, Loophole 35, Winstar, William Welpy, James I. Raider, Corey Leonard, Nelima, John Shin, Justin Bustle, Kelvin, Austin Hagerty, Roger Davies, Jay, William Leake, Corey Chappelle, Evan Dingle, C2, John Iverson, Samuel Park, Aaron, The Eternal Dreamers, Jansen, Angima, Mark Central, Derek Lambie, Michael, Fours and Fours, Him, Sagung, RB Racer, Space Channel 5, Jay Torino, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music.